Welcome to 2020. And we want to fill that with the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So we begin the new year in Mark's gospel. And between Advent and Easter, we're going to journey through the good news of Jesus Christ. And this morning, we start at Mark chapter 1. It's a big chapter, so get your Bibles open or get your phones out. And Nigel Cook's going to come and read it to us now. Thanks, Nigel. Mark 1. The beginning of the gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John came, baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt round his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the desert, and he was in the desert for forty days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and angels attended him. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, said Jesus, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching, because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an evil spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The evil spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed that they asked each other, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He even gives orders to evil spirits and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. As soon as they had left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, 
but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he travelled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. A man with leprosy came and begged him on his knees, If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Thanks, Nigel. Mark's Gospel is a cracking read. It is a fast-paced page turner. And each week, we're going to read a chapter, and then the speaker will hone in on whatever the Spirit guides them to. And over the course of the next few months, immerse ourselves in the good news of Jesus Christ. In verse 15, which Nigel just read to us, Jesus comes with a very specific message. He's proclaiming the good news of God, and he says this, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. God's kingdom God's timing right here, right now. And our response and their response was the same. We need to repent and believe. And as we enter into a new year, 2020, and we take this vision with us, which we believe the Lord has given us, New Life Base Camp, we come to rest, breathe, pray, prepare, go. This morning, I just want to take that gospel message from Jesus and apply it to each of these tent pegs that we have in our vision and see what we can tease out from chapter one of Mark's gospel. So first of all, rest. It's not a word that maybe we associate with Mark's gospel. It starts at a pace and continues right through to the resurrection of Jesus. But if we look closely between the lines and interspersed throughout the gospel, we see Jesus taking a rest regularly, going off to pray, taking time out to be with God, his Father, so that he can hone in on the direction God is sending him. And this is a great example for us. And so as I was reading the chapter over the last week, what struck me was that Jesus is not there at the beginning of the gospel. It's his cousin or close relative, John the Baptist, who comes preparing the way for Jesus. Just like in Luke's gospel, we have this connection between John and Jesus right at the start. John comes first to prepare the way. And so we have this kind of prophetic anticipation going on at the start of Mark chapter 1. And Jesus is off in the wings, resting, waiting. Just like Luke's gospel, there is this pregnant pause as people stop and pay attention to this strange guy, John the Baptist, out there in the wilderness preaching a baptism 
of repentance. People stop, the whole countryside, the whole of Judea stop and go out to hear him, hear God speak to them through John the Baptist. And here's what the prophet Isaiah prophesied about this moment. I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. That's what John was doing. He was getting people ready in anticipation for Jesus to arrive. He was making them aware of their need to confess their sin. And that's what happens when Jesus turns up. We are suddenly aware of our own imperfections, the things that are wrong in our lives, because here is this perfect man alongside us, and we we realize that we need to confess our sins. And the same is true for us today. God comes alongside us and speaks to us, and we need to be in that place of rest to be able to hear God. If we are always on the move, always on the go, always doing the next thing that comes in front of us, we are not going to hear God's voice because we need to get aside, take some time and listen intently to what he is saying to us. Now our wing of the church, the evangelical church, is not particularly good at this activity and we need to learn from our friends in other parts of the church who are better at resting who are better at listening into what God is saying to us. And so even although Mark's gospel has a fast pace, Jesus is never in a hurry. He always has time to be with God, his Father. One of the ways we're we're trying to do that more is regularly taking time out away from here on our Walking with Jesus weekends, where there's just that opportunity for us to get away with God for a weekend and listen to what he is saying to us. We're going to show a short video clip now of the last one and some of the people that were on it and what they got out of Walking with Jesus. At New Life's first devotional retreat in Whitby, we had a great time walking with Jesus. And here's some people to tell you what it meant for them. Hi, I'm Shirley. Hi, my name's Nigel. Hello, I'm Stephanie. Hi, my name's Phil. Hi, my name's Chrissy Thorpe. Hi, I'm Julie. Hello, I'm Margaret Bryce. Hi, I'm Susanna. I'm Meryl. And I found that weekend wonderful because it was a real Christian family. I felt I was one with the family. And my age, I was a bit older, made no difference. And I was very conscious of Jesus being there. I was amazed at how, although I was on my own, I was never alone. I was just accepted as one big family from the word go. I went to the weekend at Sneeton Castle and I just loved being there, meeting people from church that I didn't know very well and getting to know them. I really wasn't sure what to expect, but it was amazing just to get alongside people that I've been going to church with for years and get to know them better. First time away as well on a devotional weekend and I was a bit apprehensive but uh, it was absolutely fantastic and I would recommend it to anyone just so that you get a bit of time away from everything else. I found it absolutely brilliant and I'd recommend it too. I really enjoyed the weekend as everyone has already said, uh, mainly because uh, I got to know more members of my family. I just had a fantastic time because I finally show up long enough for the Lord to speak to me. This weekend really was a very key moment in my walk with the Lord. He has been trying for a long time 
to get my attention and say, Susanna, I just want to spend time with you. Amazing weekend, and I've learned that if you want God to speak to you, you have to have that time with him. You have to be prepared to spend that time with him. Going away on this retreat enabled me to learn how to do that in such a way that actually, as I've come away from it, has made a big difference to the way that I spend my time with him day by day. I was really encouraged um, over the weekend by being encouraged to share uh, God's word, prophetic word, uh, with those at the meeting. And the Lord just ministered and ministered to me and showed me how I was going to be used in the future in ministry and that was very precious. I didn't have a lot of confidence in myself but I learned over that weekend that Jesus has confidence in me mm. so why shouldn't I go out and step out of the boat? We did a whole variety of different things, lots of fun, lots of peace as well and in that short space of time there was so much contrast but it was all meaningful and wonderful. When I came home, Jesus was still with me in a special way. Well, there's one coming up. The next one is June the 12th to 14th this year. We're going to Wydale Hall up in the North Yorkshire Moors. It comes highly recommended. John the Baptist is not available, but Roy the Baptist... <laughs> Uh, Roy Serrell from the Thumbering community and a partner here at New Life will be leading us on retreat that weekend. There are still places available, so I'd encourage you to consider it and come along. And like we heard from so many people in that video, it's just a great opportunity to spend time listening to what God has to say to us. Even if you don't get the weekend, I encourage you implore you to work into your daily, weekly rhythm good practices that will enable you to rest in the Lord, to get away with Him and to take the yoke of Jesus on ourselves uh, because His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Over the coming weeks, uh, we're going to just be feeding out through the church email just different ways, different devotional practices that we can use to help us do this day by day. Because God wants us to repent and believe. He wants us to turn around from our old practices, the things in our lives that aren't conducive to knowing God, and go in his direction. And this is one of the ways we can do it, is to rest. Then in the chapter, we move on to Jesus' baptism. Uh, and this helps us to think about breathing in the Holy Spirit. Jesus' ministry begins with baptism. And what Jesus was doing was identifying with the people and also identifying with God. He identified with the people by getting into the Jordan River with all us other sinners and being baptized. Even although Jesus lived a perfect life, he was a perfect human being, he put aside all of that and got into the water with us because he wanted to identify with us, identify with our struggles, take on our sins all the way to the cross. Jesus identifies with us. And as he did that, the heavens were torn open and God beamed his approval on his son and what Jesus was doing. This tearing open of heaven has been referred to as a gracious gash 
in the heavens. And I love that description of what was going on. It's kind of like what was going on during Advent when the angels came singing glory to God and the highest to these shepherds. Heaven opened up and God announced the arrival of his son. And heaven opens up here and God the Father announces the arrival of his son, the beginning of Jesus' ministry filled with the Holy Spirit, the dove descending on Jesus as a symbol of God's Spirit upon him, affirmed by his Father, Jesus was then good to go. He was ready to go. Come Easter Sunday here, a new life our practice is to baptise people on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Day. And uh, we invite anyone here who has not been baptised to have a think about that. We can give you a book to read. And there'll be a a little course that you can come along to to find out more. If you've not been baptised, if you've not come to that point where you want to say, I'm for Jesus, I'm raves and a flag for Jesus by getting baptised, perhaps this Easter Sunday is a Sunday for you to do that. Don't worry about what anyone else thinks of you. Don't worry about what you might have to say. You don't really need to say Anything other than I do to the question, do you declare Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? That's all you need to say. And I encourage you to be baptized. It's one of the best decisions we can ever make in our lives. And out of that baptism, out of that immersion in the life of God, God can send us out. We're good to go to fulfill our ministry in the kingdom of God in the footsteps of Jesus Christ. It's our opportunity to repent, turn around, believe in Jesus, be baptised with the Holy Spirit and loved and affirmed by God our Father. Isn't that what we're all crying out for in this culture, in our day and age? We want to be affirmed. And who better to affirm us than God our Father, the creator of the universe, the creator of you and me. So let's breathe in God's Holy Spirit in the year ahead. Maybe it's years since you've been baptized, but you can still receive the Holy Spirit from Jesus Christ on a daily basis. All we have to do is breathe them in and say, yes, Lord, fill me up to overflowing. We are, as Nicky Gumbel famously said in the Alpha Course, we are leaky human beings and we leak the Holy Spirit and we need to go on being filled with God's Spirit throughout our lives as we follow Christ. Then we pray. After Jesus' baptism, it says, at once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. And I'm sure in that situation, Jesus prayed with a passion. And what I want to say here is that the wilderness is a good place to learn to pray. None of us choose to be in the wilderness, whatever that might be for us. None of us choose that path. Here, Jesus was driven to it. But the wilderness can be a faith-forming experience for us if we will just engage with God and allow him to speak into that situation and be it by our side as we go through it. The wilderness is a good place to learn to pray And here's my theory. Jesus' time in the wilderness is when the Lord's Prayer was formed in his mind. That's where the Lord's Prayer comes from, I believe. 
And if you just look at what it says in the Lord's Prayer, it fits with Jesus' encounter with the devil in the desert, which we read about in Matthew's Gospel. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You shall worship the Lord your God only. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. It is God's kingdom that Jesus is focused on, not the evil ones. Give us this day our daily bread. Man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. It's God who feeds us physically and spiritually. And we've not to take things into our own control and our own power. Forgive us our sins as we forgive the sins of others. Jesus was sinless, but in the desert, he was there taking on our sin, doing what Adam and Eve and Moses and the children of Israel were unable to do, following God perfectly, taking on the sin of all mankind, the sin of the universe on our behalf, and teaching us how to forgive others, how to receive God's forgiveness, and how to forgive others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And as the devil tempted him, Jesus just told him to get behind him and leave. The Lord's Prayer, a perfect prayer for us in the wilderness. And it's a wonderful prayer which we can use to get hungry for God our Father. All we have to do is find that solitary place. It probably won't be a desert for us, but we just need to find that place in the midst of the storm, wherever it is, for us to be alone with God our Father, just like Jesus does later on in this chapter. When it's all going off, he's doing these amazing miracles and the disciples are out early in the morning looking for him so that he can do some more. And Jesus is off on his own with his Father God, not in a hurry. In fact, ready to move on and take his good news to their surrounding towns and villages which presumably was the discussion between him and God, his Father, that day. Find your solitary place, just like Jesus, and God will help you to overcome the tests of life which come our way. We can't avoid all of these tests, but God doesn't want us to avoid them, usually. He parachutes in and stands beside us and goes through the tests with us and enables us in that situation, to resist the evil one, to resist temptation. What wilderness do you find yourself in today? Use the Lord's Prayer to guide a path for you through that back to God, and he will be with you because God is faithful and he has promised never to leave us or forsake us. We move from prayer to prepare, and what we see here is after Jesus comes back from the wilderness and starts to announce his ministry, he begins to call people. Jesus calls people. What is our calling today from the Lord? Come, follow me, says Jesus, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once they left their nets. The next group of people, without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat and off they went with Jesus. I was talking to someone last night and we were thinking how difficult that must have been for Zebedee as his sons just went up and left and 
All of a sudden, it wasn't Zebedee and sons anymore. It was Zebedee and the hired help. But they took that opportunity and they responded to the Lord's call. And when the Lord calls us, there should be an urgency to our response. It's not always something for us to go away and think about and weigh up the pros and cons. When Jesus calls us, he calls us to respond here and now. The time has come. The kingdom of God is near. It is right here, right now. How is Jesus calling you today? Those disciples were called to a three-year on-the-job preparation course where Jesus showed them how to bring together the natural and spiritual gifts which they had and he was giving them. They didn't know it was a three-year course. They didn't know what was ahead of them. They thought it was all good stuff ahead. But as it turns out, there was some tough stuff there too. And soon they would be on their own until the Holy Spirit came to help them after Jesus' crucifixion. But for the next three years, Jesus poured himself into those 12 disciples and his wider discipleship group. And he took their natural gifts. They were good fishermen, these guys were. And he taught them how to fish for men and women. He showed them how to bring together their natural and spiritual gifts. And that's what God wants to do with us as well. He's gifted us at certain things. We're good at some things and not so good at others. And he also wants to enable us to receive spiritual gifts as well, which combined enables us to live a life completely for God, a holistic life, physical and spiritual, where we follow Jesus, serving him day by day. How is God calling you What gifts do you have that you can say, here I am, Lord, here they are, this is what I have. Send me. Show me how to use these gifts. Not just for myself and my family and my community, but also for the furtherance of your kingdom. Using natural gifts like artistic talent or or singing or administration or hospitality. These gifts that maybe we don't think are particularly spiritual, but in God's hands, in the Lord's hands, he can do amazing things with what we have to give him. Don't worry if God's calling seems too big to you. In fact, if the calling isn't very big, it's probably not God, it's probably just you. So we should expect God's calling to stretch us, to be daunting for us because it should be beyond us because if it isn't, we aren't going to need God's help to do it. So let's be on the lookout for those big callings from the Lord because that's a sign that it is God speaking to you and not you. And all we have to do is is just to get in step and follow. We don't have to have the next three years or the next five years or ten years all figured out. These disciples didn't, and nor should we expect that. All we have to do is respond to Jesus' calling here and now and get in line and follow Jesus. Lastly, Jesus starts to go, and he takes his disciples with him. And for the rest of the chapter, we have this steady, miracle-working litany of Jesus at work in the community. Jesus demonstrating his authority over the whole of life. Teaching with authority, 
releasing people from spiritual oppression with authority, healing people from all kinds of diseases with authority, in all kinds of places, locally and nationally. He does it in the synagogue. He goes to Simon's mother-in-law's house and he heals her. And then they open up the doors and the whole community comes. And all night, just Jesus heals people, releases them from spiritual oppression. And then he goes out from there into other parts of the community, other regions of Israel, so that people can have the opportunity to encounter and to be released to follow Jesus wherever they are. Which brings us to base camp. This tent is portable and usable in all circumstances. It is a structure which is designed to be good to go. And so wherever God sends us, we go ready to follow him, ready to up sticks, pull up base camp and go somewhere else where God is leading us. Wherever and to whoever God sends us to go to in the year ahead. So we don't have this all worked out for 2020. It's only the 5th of January. How could we? But we have that willingness together as God's people and as individual followers of Jesus Christ to be ready to go wherever Jesus leads. On the move with Jesus. With the message of Jesus. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. I'm just going to invite Amanda Salenka to come and read a poem which she wrote this morning and feels that God wants to share it with us today. It's a lovely poem, so sit back, pin back your lug holes and listen. Until this morning, this was a jumble of words and ideas written on a sheet over the last couple of months, really. And then this morning when I woke up, God said, get it written. You need to read it. So I leapt out of bed and tried to pull it all together. So this is it. Make of it what you will. In our pride and in our shame, only we can take the blame. And yet, if only we would yield to you and take your burden, light and true. When we bow unto your will, when we learn how to be still before our Father, Saviour, Friend, on this our peace, our joy depend. Through the chaos of life ill-spent, you sought me out till I did repent. In grace and mercy you forgave my sin. In freedom, God-given, my life did begin. You knew me from the womb, from the start. With plans to prosper me, you gave me your heart. You knew what I would become and what it would take for me to recognize my rebellion, error, mistake. With patience, kindness and gentle grace, your instruction is clear. Seek my face. Three in one, Holy Trinity. I am the true divinity. I am the way, the truth, the life. I will return to take you as my wife. The path to the Father is only through me, the only way to eternity. We are partakers in a story of love divine, hope and glory. We know the beginning 
to the end. We can journey with our friend, or not, if we choose, for we have free will to go our own way in pride, in sin, until the day of judgment comes. Yes, our Saviour will be coming back. His plans and purposes are still on track. So think on him who loved you first. Make him this year your hunger and your thirst. So we start to think about communion. Phil read earlier from Romans chapter 5 and verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We thought this morning about how baptism gives us an opportunity to repent and believe. It's one of the sacraments of the church, one of the instructions of Jesus for us to follow until he returns. As is the simple meal of communion, which we hunger and thirst for, as Amanda has just uh, so eloquently put in her poem. We hunger and thirst for righteousness, but more than that, we hunger and thirst for Jesus, our gospel friend, the good news of the gospel. Jesus says to us today, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And and just today as we share uh, this first communion of 2020, We have this simple opportunity to repent, turn around and put our faith in Jesus afresh. Whether that's for the first time or if we've done it many times before, it doesn't matter. It would come in simple faith at just the right time to give our lives afresh to Jesus at the start of a new year. Shall we pray? Lord God, we recognise your timing in our lives We recognize this as a kairos moment, a significant moment that comes from you. And we pray you will teach us, Lord, how to use our time to turn to you. As you draw near to us, as you dwell in our midst, as you are near beside us, Lord, by your Spirit, we pray today that you will forgive us for our sins. Cleanse us from all that is wrong in our lives. Turn us around as we share this simple meal together and aim us in the direction of your kingdom, Lord, day by day. We repent this day. We turn from all that we know is wrong in our lives and we put our faith in you, Lord Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen.